0: Let us pray. God of mercy, you promise never to break your covenant with us. Amid all the changing words of our generation, speak your eternal word that does not change. Then may we respond to your gracious promises with faithful and obedient lives. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. This morning, our lesson comes from the book of Genesis. I will first be reading from chapter 18, beginning to read at verse 1, from a newer translation by Professor Robert Alter. Friends, as I read, let us listen for the word of God. And the Lord appeared to Abraham in the terebinths of Mamre when he was sitting by the tent flap in the heat of the day. And he raised his eyes and saw, and look, three men were standing before him. He saw and he ran toward them from the tent flap and bowed to the ground. And he said, "My lord, if I have found favor in your eyes, please do not go on past your servant. Let a little water be fetched and bathe your feet and stretch out under the tree and let me fetch a morsel of bread and refresh yourselves. Then you may go on and for have you not come by your servant?" And they said, "Do as you have spoken." And Abraham hurried to the tent to Sarah, and he said, Hurry, Need three seahs of choice semolina flour and make loaves. And to the herd Abraham ran and fetched a tender and goodly calf and gave it to the lad who hurried to prepare it. And he fetched curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared, and he set these before them, he standing over them under the tree, and they ate. And they said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, there in the tent. And he said, I will surely return to you at this very season. And look, a son, your son Sarah, your wife have, shall have. And Sarah was listening at the tent flap, which was behind him. And Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. And Sarah laughed inwardly, saying, After being shriveled, shall I have pleasure? My husband is old. And the Lord said to Abraham, Why is it that Sarah laughed, saying, Shall I really give birth, old as I am? Is anything beyond the Lord? In due time, I will return to you at this very season, and Sarah shall have a son. And Sarah dissembled, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, Yes, you did laugh. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now you're invited to take a moment to breathe and pray and reflect on God's word. Amen. So those of you who know me, and even those of you who are just getting to know me, probably will not be surprised to hear that I love to laugh. One of my favorite songs from Mary Poppins carries that very title, in fact, and as you may recall, the scene opens with Mary Poppins, Bert, and the Banks children being called to Mary's uncle's house. Uncle Albert can't stop laughing, and when he laughs, he floats up to the ceiling and around the room. Bert warns the children to keep a straight face, because if they join in, the problem gets worse. Last time, it took us three days to get him down. As a child, I marveled at the silliness of the scene. As an adult, I find myself wanting to float and giggle, and guffaw aloud along with Bert and Uncle Albert and Jane and Michael Banks, while proper Mary Poppins looks on with a frown. The image of being lifted by laughter is one that speaks to something deep down, at least for me. Some of my most healing moments of late have included bouts of laughter with friends, colleagues, And loved ones, we have laughed together over screens and phone lines at silly memories, at our still not remembering to mute or unmute ourselves on Zoom, and over corny jokes. And it has been good. To use the language of last week's text, it has been supremely good, even. I think Sarah knows how it feels to long to laugh. When we first meet her in chapter 11, she is singled out in one of those long biblical lists of names known as genealogies. You know, the ones that have all the begats in the King James Version. Everyone else is listed with their names and maybe the names of their spouses. Sarah or Sarai, as she is called at first, we are told was barren. She had no child. This is a huge plot point, of course. In a few verses after that one, God calls Abram to leave all he has known and all who know him to travel with all of his family to an unknown place where God promises to make Abram a great nation, to make Abram and his family a great blessing through which all the nations of the world will be blessed. So if we're paying attention, our ears perk up. How exactly does God intend to pull this off through 75-year-old Abram and his barren wife, Sarai? So Sarah's lack of a child is a huge plot point in the story, but her inability to bear a child is more than a plot point for her and for others who have struggled in similar ways. To say it is no laughing matter is an understatement at a minimum. It is heart-wrenching and heartbreaking in a deeply personal way. I've always wondered how Sarai responds when Abram comes back to tell her about his conversation, that first conversation with God. Clearly, she goes along with this and on this journey to an unnamed destination, but does she laugh then? Does she allow the tiniest spark of hope? To begin to burn within her, does she dare to trust that such an outlandish promise of children and grandchildren and great grandchildren just might be true? The text I just read, our first text this morning, comes six chapters and twenty five years after Abram and Sarai's journey begins. Twenty five years. Old Abe is 100 years old now, and Sarah is staring down, down 90. As two other pastors point out, if Abraham and Sarah were a Netflix season, this would be about episode seven. In the episodes that come before ours, Abram and Sarah travel to Egypt, where Abram deceives the king into sparing his life by saying that Sarah is his sister. God soon promises Abram once again that he will be the father of a great nation. But Sarai and Abram get a bit nervous and try and end run around things to get a grip on the promise. And Abram fathers a child with Hagar, Sarah's servant. To no one's surprise, Sarai comes to resent Hagar and the child Ishmael. And God tells Abram once again that he will be the father of nations and more explicitly that Sarai will be the mother of kings. God changes their names to Abraham and Sarah, emphasizing the seriousness of the promise. And Abraham, by that point, responds by laughing. He laughs so hard that he falls flat on his face and then tries to convince God to just go with Ishmael. But God will not be moved from the promise, as laughable as that promise may seem. In our text for this morning, with Abraham's laughter still echoing on the breeze, some visitors arrive. Abraham promises them a small snack while then providing a feast and a display of extreme hospitality, that would impress the most over-the-top southern grandmother. He directs Sarah to bake bread from the finest flour, and not just a little bread, but 36 pounds of flour's worth of bread. I imagine Sarah peeking out from the tent with flour smudged on her face and her dress, worn out not just from the whirlwind feast preparation, but from year after year and month after months of hoping for the promise to be true, only to be bitterly disappointed. So, when Sarah overhears the visitor reiterate the promise and give it a definite timeline, she laughs. Now, I don't think this is the kind of laugh that sends Sarah giggling and floating to the roof of the tent. The visitor confronts her about why she laughs, and she denies laughing at all. She is afraid, it seems, afraid of offending this mysterious guest, but also perhaps afraid to hope, afraid to trust yet again that the promise is true. I know that laughter. Our gay friends and trans neighbors know that laughter. Our black and brown siblings know that laughter. Our older friends who have been isolated from everyone for weeks know that laughter. I'm guessing you may know that laughter too. Maybe you have even found yourself laughing in that way in recent weeks. It teeters on the edge of crying, and echoes because it can be hollow inside. I did not laugh, Sarah insists, but the holy visitor has heard her. He has heard Sarah's innermost weariness and disappointment and fear. She cannot hide it. Yes, you did laugh, he responds. Sarah acts as if she has been exposed, busted even, but what if she has also been seen? In hearing and naming her laugh, God reveals that he knows her deepest longing and her pain. Sarah responds as if she is in trouble, but nothing in the text says that is true. What if it, What it does tell us is that Sarah's despair and disbelieving laughter are not hidden from God. God sees her hiding behind the tent flap. God knows she has been hiding much more, carrying much more for years. In other words, God gets it. And God gets her and all of her complicated, weary, bitter, can't-hope-one-more-day-ness. And God still pledges to make the promise come true in and through her. It sounds too good to be true and laughable in our ears too, doesn't it? Or I confess it does in mine. In our own little corner of the world, I want to believe that something new will be born among us in the coming year. I want to imagine this place Filled with familiar faces and new ones, too, I long to be part of a gathered in-person community where beautiful singing is accompanied by the sounds of wiggling babies and the giggles of children of all ages. I want to picture our giving each other bear hugs and fist bumps and high fives. I love the idea of our continuing to make new friends through our online worship while also welcoming new faces of all kinds and backgrounds to break bread with us at this table. I so badly want to trust that this can happen, but I confess that when I hear of spreads and spikes and more uncertainty with this stubborn virus, my laugh echoes Sarah's laugh inside the tent a bit. But God is not deterred. I invite you to listen as I read our second passage for this morning from Genesis chapter 21. And the Lord singled out Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. And Sarah conceived and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the set time that God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him whom Sarah bore him, Isaac, which means laughter. And Abraham circumcised Isaac, his son, when he was eight days old, as God had charged him. And Abraham was a hundred years old when Isaac, his son, was born to him. And Sarah said, Laughter has God made me. Whoever hears will laugh at me. And she said, Who would have uttered to Abraham, Sarah is suckling sons, for I have born a son. In his old age, laughter, God has made me. Not only is Sarah's laughter transformed, she is changed too. Now we need to be clear, this is not happily ever after. Challenges, many challenges still lie ahead for Sarah and Abraham and the underdog nation of ancient Israel that finds its underdog beginnings here. And yet there is and will always be this story to point to, this memory that when all seems lost, when the promise seems too precarious to survive, God makes a way. And along the way, God also creates laughter, belly-clutching, side-stitch-inducing laughter. This laughter bubbles up in joyful praise of a God who promises to create not just one baby, but a people to be a blessing to and for all the nations of the world against all the odds, no matter what obstacles stand in the way. God is determined to create a people from a pair of shriveled, washed-up all but washed-out senior citizens. And God holds the same hope for us, too. Laughter God has made me. Even now, in the midst of mask-wearing and vaccine vigils, could it be that we are being transformed into something new, a community that embodies the joy that God so longs To share with the world? Not an empty pie in the sky, cheap or easy kind of happiness, but a people of deep, life-affirming joy. In the thick of an uncertain season, in the middle of a bruised and battered world, can we imagine ourselves becoming laughter itself? Could we be a people of laughter, born in the midst of detours and struggles, laughter born of faith that nothing is beyond God, that nothing and no one falls outside of God's concern or care? Such laughter would not mean that we are frivolous or delusional or have our heads buried in the sand, but instead that we know that despair and exclusion and disappointment are real and that they are not the end of the story. Nothing is too wonderful for God. Nothing is too difficult for God. Nothing is beyond God, depending on the translation you read. God is not stopped by our doubts or stymied by our dead ends. Perhaps that news alone is enough to lift us and everyone else to the rafters laughing with astonished joy at what God can do. Truth be told, I suspect that God is already up there in the rafters waiting to laugh with us because something tells me that God loves to laugh too.